Well, Merry Christmas. You came to church on Christmas. You guys are obviously the best Christians, obviously. So just soak that pride in and now confess it because that's sinful. But we're glad you're here. Uh, I got to say, it is so special to be up here singing with my girl uh, on the stage. And uh, I'm so thankful uh, that, that she gets to lead worship. All my kids are leading worship. And the reason, uh, one of the reasons they're leading worship is because I led worship. And the reason I led worship is because my mom and dad uh, lead worship. My mom and dad are here tonight, today, right back in the back. Got to say hey to mom and dad, my sister Allison. Mom led the children's choir, so she gave me my first solo. Don't mean to brag, but it was called Germs the Invisible Dog. It's a very big deal, very big deal. She didn't want to show nepotism, so she only gave me one verse. Had to play it the right way. And, uh, and my dad, uh, they both sang in the choir. My dad was singing solos uh, in church, like up in front of everybody. I thought it was crazy, right? And, uh, and pretty soon, he started dragging me up there, too. And they are the reason I'm up here doing this. So thank you, Mom and Dad. For being so awesome. Good stuff. Love you guys. Um, <clears throat> so we've got, we got a, a nativity scene up here. And I, there's a couple pieces I wanted to add, but I didn't want to add them until I explained because some of y'all would have left the room. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring out the wise men. I'm going to bring them out. Okay? Now some of you guys know, you know, it, it's, Christmas used to be so easy. And everybody had a nativity scene and they had all the pieces. And it was great. And then, I can't remember what year it was, the year that changed everything. If you're grown, you know. It was the year of the Christmas quiz. Do you, does anybody know what I'm talking about? It was just this little trivia game about Christmas. And I remember the one to bring it out was Aunt Paulette. Aunt Paulette, I'm grown. I'm in Bible college, right? I'm going to college to learn uh, to, be, to be in ministry. And she brought this little thing, and she started asking us questions. And I was, I was like, okay. We're going to rock this, right? This will be fun. I want to tame this down. I don't want to look too smart, right? And then she starts asking questions, and we start realizing we didn't know quite as much about Christmas as we thought we did, right? There were some misconceptions in there. There were some things in there that we kind of got wrong. I blame it on singers. That's what, and it's, I know it's ironic, but it's those guys writing Christmas songs that didn't read the Bible. That was a problem. So we kind of learned a lot of our Christmas from Christmas songs and then from Christmas uh, movies and stuff. Like the, one of the first questions was, how did Mary and Joseph get to the town? I was like, a donkey. She'd say, mm-mm, it doesn't say. She had so much power when she said that. She goes, doesn't say anywhere there was a donkey. I'm like, okay, okay, you got me on that one. She goes, and then she said, what did the angels sing? And I was like, oh, <clears throat> glory to God on the highest, peace on earth and fill it, his favor rests. Always mess that last part up too, dude. So, and then she goes, Mm -mm. nowhere in the Bible does it say that the angels sing. We're like, what? We start looking it up, and it says, says. It said they said it, right? So I'm like, okay, this lady is like deconstructing my Christmas right now, you know? And she kept asking questions, and then she got to the wise men. She says, how many wise men were at the birth of Jesus? And I knew, there was a, I knew it had to be a trick, right? But I thought, okay, how many? Well, there's three, right? Mm-mm-mm. The Bible doesn't say, right? Just there's, there were three gifts, so we just kind of think there must have been three guys, right? But we learned, as Pastor Trey pre preached a little while back, a couple weeks ago, I was listening, that who knows how many there were. There were just three gifts, right? But the other side of that, that wasn't even on the quiz, is they came, like, later. 
like a good bit later, right? So that kind of wrecked our Christmas as well. Some of you guys right now, you're just waiting on me to wreck something for you. You're like, if he, if he even thinks about touching my elf on the shelf, I will move my letter. I'm not going to do that. We're not doing that. We're not here for that. Some of y'all wonder why we don't have Sunday school on Christmas Day. It's because some of y'all's kids, y'all taught them all the truths about Christmas, things that are magical, but things that are real. And then they decided to go to Sunday school and tell everybody else's kids. And their parents hated you for a year, right? That's why we keep everybody here in the same room. We're not even going to go there. That's as far as we're going to go with that. Okay. So some of y'all got real scared. So in my house, we do a thing every year. I've been doing it since the kids were little. And what we did, what we dude is, dude, we had a game with the nativity scene. It was the first thing we put out in the house, right? And we took the pieces of the nativity scene and we hid them all over the house. And the kids had to go look for the pieces of the nativity scene, right? So it's kind of like Easter eggs, but not. So they're looking for the pieces and they find the pieces and they bring them all back. And when we get back, everybody had to tell the story of Christmas from the perspective of what they brought back, right? So what do you think this person was thinking? What do you think it was like for them and them, right? Now, the kids would always make sure I found the cow. That was always a thing. It was always a thing until they were pretty old, right? So I would have to be there like, mm, who's sleeping in my house? That kind of thing, right? And, uh, and so was, but, but when we'd find them, we'd all come back, and we would go through each member of the story, and we would talk about what, what does God tell us about these people, right? And what do we see as a lesson in them? And uh, we just read Luke 2. So if you've got your Bible, let's turn to Luke 2. But we're also going to look at Matthew 1 and 2. And we're going to look at a few of these characters that we see. Luke chapter 2. The first two verses of Luke chapter 2, I was sort of a, the verses I looked over for years. You know, you go back and you read Scripture and you see something new because God's Word is alive. Uh, it was several years back, I remember thinking, I'm so grateful for verse 1 and 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. You know what's awesome about that? This story does not begin with once upon a time. This story doesn't, end, doesn't start with a long time ago in a land far, far away, right? It is saying this happened. This was a day. This was a Caesar. This was a census. This was a city. This happened. That, that, is, that became a special verse for me as we went. But as we walk through the story, and we've read it together already, the, the, the members of the nativity set here, the reason I like the wise men in there because they're a part of the story. They weren't there that first night, but they're part of the story. But the first people that we notice in the story are the shepherds. So let's go to verse 8 of chapter 2, and let's read about the shepherds. If you're there, stay there. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, and they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. That's been a little funny kind of meme lately. Uh, if you've seen that, like, what did angels really look like? We're not really sure what they look like, but all we know is everybody bit the dust when an angel showed up. Boom, they're down, drinking, just, just sucking the rug, man. I'm down here, I'm down here. Don't kill me, don't kill me. So I don't know if they were quite fluttery and pretty. I don't know, but they're a big deal, right? So everybody's scared to death when they see. What is the first thing an angel usually has to always say? Don't be afraid, right? Sorry, sorry, guys. I know this is a big deal, right? So they were terrified when they saw the angels. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. That people, sorry, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find him, uh, find the baby, wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. There's something about the shepherds being the first ones. There's something about it. Has that ever stuck out to you? I mean, the shepherds were, were not, they were not high class. They will never be sitting in the front. They, they would never get the, get the mail to come to the ball for Christmas. They probably weren't ever getting any mail from anything because they stood, they sat on a hill and they counted. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 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 40. You know what they did after that? One, two, three, four. That's what they did. They, 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 they smelled like sheep. They may have even looked like sheep. I don't know. But they were not important. But you know what they were? They were awake. They were awake and they were where they were supposed to be. And they were the first ones to get to hear, right here. First ones get to see angels and hear that Jesus was coming. The message that the shepherds always showed me and that would come out of the kids when we talk about Christmas is this. Jesus is for everybody. Jesus is for everybody. There's nobody out there that's a little too much for Jesus. There's nobody out there that's not quite enough for Jesus. Jesus loves you right where you are, right? He doesn't love you because you're good. Jesus loves you because Jesus is good, yeah? And he proved it. He proved it by people appearing to people and using people that did not deserve to be used and had not earned the right. The first ones to be missionaries in this story are the shepherds. What does it say? They ran back into the town to tell everyone what they had heard. They forgot their place for just a minute. They're used to staying in the back and staying out of the way and staying with the sheep. But just for a moment, they did not let the world label them, and they stepped out, and they went from being shepherds, they became heralds, right? They became the ones to tell everybody with authority and with power. Because when God sends you, he sends you with his authority and with his power, not the label that anybody hangs around your neck. He proved that with the, with the shepherds. He proved that with disciples. Guys, no coach in America would have picked that team, right? He's showing us constantly that Jesus is for everybody. That's one of the things the shepherds told me. The next thing is the wise men. Pastor Trey broke this down a couple weeks ago. We got to learn a lot about them. We learned that they were probably astrologers, probably astronomers, right? They were into the whole magical, mystical, everything. So when God came to them, he came to them through what they understood. 
They knew the stars. He spoke to them through a star. They start following the star, and they make their way to Jesus. Something that always stuck out to me, let's look over in Matthew chapter 1. Flip it over there. If you got a digital Bible, shame on you. You know what never happens in this Bible? What are you doing? <laughs> never happens. I'm just reading it, and there it is. What's for supper? Right? Nothing. It's just right here. Kill a tree, read a Bible. All right. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Matthew chapter 2. The Magi. Let's read this story, okay? Let's let, let's let the Bible tell us the story. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem and in Judea, during the time of King Herod, the Magi, from the east, they came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. When King Herod, did, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Why was King Herod disturbed? <laughs> He's like, wait a minute, I'm the king of the Jews, right? <laughs> That's my name, right? <laughs> There's only one chair and I am on it, right? What is this about? Suddenly these guys, they're coming from all over, who, who knows how many, are saying, we've been told the king of the Jews is here. We've come to worship him. Well, look what it says. It says, King Herod heard this. He was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem in Judea. They replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now check this out. Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. You checking this? Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them, found out from them the exact time that the star they had seen and when it appeared, um, when they had seen it, when it rose, uh, went ahead of them until it had stopped over the place where the child was. When they, oh, I'm sorry, I got, got lost. Reading, reading is fun. Verse 8. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report back to me so that I too can go worship him. Does that sound a little, little sketch? Yeah. Didn't seem to to the wise men. Told them right where he was. Told them right where they were going. We'll be right back. Well, that's some wise men, huh? Let's keep reading about how wise these men are. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose uh, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother, Mary. 
And they bowed down and they worshiped. And they opened up their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You know what these wise men were about to do? What were they about to do? They saw Jesus. What are they going to do now? Hey, King Herod, we found him. So cool. We got great pictures on our feed. Hashtag it if you, if you post, okay? Just hashtag some photo creds, right? These are the wise men. These are the, 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 the ones recognized as these guys have it all together. What, what I see when I see the wise men is you are never as wise as you think you are. You are never so wise that you don't need God's wisdom. You want to talk to these boys about stars? They could probably talk you under the table. You want to talk to them about routing and roots and history and, and, all, this, and all the prophecies? They are studied up. But the one thing they don't have is any discernment whatsoever. The basic Hitler of that time is looking at them and saying, man, this is great news. Just go tell me where he is because he's about to launch a genocide and try to take every child out. That's under, was it under a year, right? They have no idea. That reminds me, doesn't matter how smart I am, doesn't matter how trained I am, doesn't matter how skilled I am, there are gonna be areas in my life that I may have a lot of knowledge, but I will never be in a place that I don't need wisdom from God, ever, ever. There's always gonna be a moment that I need God to tap me on the shoulder and say, you're about to mess this up. You need to hold, right? Have you ever had a moment when God tapped you on the shoulder and said, uh, 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 do not say what you are about to say? Raise your hand. Anybody? Whew, I got stories, people. I got stories. God has stopped me from doing some of the dumbest things ever, Right? Now, I could, I could go show a, an award to him, or I could go show a, a job to him. I could go show him how good I am at, at this, or how good I am at that. But I'm never going to be at a place that I do not need wisdom from God. And what's awesome is, in James chapter 1, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. He gives it to you freely. He'll give it to you freely. So I see that even, even the wise men need wisdom. Next, I see Mary. Baptists, for a long time, we're scared to death to talk about Mary. Look, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. She was here, okay? Right? But Mary's a pretty amazing lady. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 1. Turn over to the right. Luke chapter 1. I hear pages flipping. That is so beautiful. If you're there, say there. All right. Verse 26 of chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, 
to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel uh, went to her. The angel went to her and said, "Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you." Mary was greatly troubled in his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But what did the angel say? Same thing they always have to say. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and you will give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And what does she say? How will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The Holy One will be born, and will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, uh, sorry, and she who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word had come, uh, no word from God will ever fail. And she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. And the angel left her. One of the things that I think about when I, when I think about Mary is I think about a, a girl who had dreams. No girl doesn't. She's going to get married. She's marrying a carpenter. She's got to be thinking, man, this is going to be awesome, right? I got the best guy. We already got our place we're going to live. It's going to be great. He's a carpenter. He's good. He's so good at it. You know, we're going to be married, and, and, and maybe we'll have kids, Maybe we'll have a son. That would be so amazing. And then, and then he could be a carpenter too with Joseph, and they could start a business together, Joseph and, Joseph and son, right? Everybody will be coming from around and around. We get this one little thing, goes viral. Everybody wants them. We start our own Etsy page. She's got dreams, right? And what does God say to her? I have a dream for you too. When I think about Mary, I think this. God's dreams are bigger than yours. God's dream for you is bigger than your dream for you, right? You know why? Because God doesn't need you to pull it off. It's going to happen through his power. So much so that he filled the Bible up with people that were not sharp enough or good enough or anything enough to do anything that they did. Yet he uses the weak things of the world to shame the strong, the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, the, the, the things that aren't to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before him. She trusted him. She trusted him. God's got a dream that's bigger than mine. And then, there's Joseph. You ever just think, poor old Joseph, what do we know about this guy, right? Not all the details about this guy. Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 1, back to the left. Y'all are going to have carpal tunnel. Luckily, you have a dyslexic person turning, so you will always beat me there. All right. What do we, what do we see about Joseph? Matthew chapter 1, 
we see in that lineage, we see that lineage starts with Abraham, and he goes all the way to Joseph. He's a descendant of Abraham. That meant something. He knew what that meant. He knew, I'm a descendant of Abraham, right? He has a name. He has a skill. He probably has a plan. And the plan got changed, right? Let's read. Verse 17. There are 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. 14 from David to exile to Babylon. And 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they could come together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. And yet, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. So he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. He had every right to call her out, according to the law right at the time, right? He had every right to be out of this situation. But we see in his character that he doesn't want to humiliate her. So he figures he's just going to end it quietly. That's his plan. Verse 20. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, what does he say? Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you, uh, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people, his people, from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. A virgin will conceive and birth, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord said, what well, had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Verse 24, when, Je when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel said, and he, and he commanded him, had commanded him, sorry, and he took home Mary as his wife. When I see Joseph, I see a man that had a plan. He had a direction he was going. And suddenly, in their culture, his name is about to be mud, right? Everybody's going to know. It's going to disgrace him because his wife is already having a baby before they've even been together. When I think of Joseph, I know that loving Jesus is going to cost you. Loving Jesus is going to cost you. There are going to be moments that you're going to get to a point where you have to lay something down that you wanted. You're going to have to set aside something that you earned. You're going to have to, to, to lay your dreams down and exchange them for his. Has any of you had that moment? Anybody? I had plenty of those. I had the moments where where I, I was the kid in the, in the special class. Suddenly, people want me to get up in front of people and sing. 
You know what I said? It's not my thing. It's not my thing, man. I don't do that. But they threatened to crown me, so I did it anyway. Right? And I got up there and I sang, and I sang in a choir, and they said, you need to sing a solo. And I said, mm-mm, that's not my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm the back, I'm in the back kind of guy. But I followed, and I walked up to the front. And then I started realizing God wanted me to do something in the church. And that meant I was going to have to go to college. You know what I said? That's not my thing. I don't even know why I graduated high school. I think they were just being nice. Just go, just get out. You're somebody else's now, right? When I got to Bible college, I didn't even read music. I had to start at the lowest of everything. And I was there six and a half years at that four-year college. And there were plenty of moments that someone would come to me, say, God put you on our heart for this. And I would say, that's not my thing, man. I don't do that. Won't you come be youth pastor at our church? We've got like eight kids. I'm like, eight kids? No way. They're like pit bulls. You don't know what they're going to do, right? That is not my thing, man. I, I sit back here. I'm, I just do music. And then I have an English professor who says, you're dyslexic. I said, no, I'm not. He goes, yeah, you are, right? And he shows me some stuff, and he says, but you're creative. You need to start writing. I said, no, writing's not my thing. Then I started making up songs in the car just because I was whining to God. That's all my songs were, just me whining in the car. Going, God, why am I here? But then realizing that God said what he said, so I've got to follow him. So all my songs are like that. It's just me fighting with what God's saying, trying to walk in it. That's what it is. And I'll never forget when I started realizing I need to sing these songs to somebody. <laughs> Not going to happen. I have been in over my head since I was 18. Something amazing happens when you follow Jesus in over your head, yeah? I guess the strangest character in the Christmas story wouldn't look so cool here, King Herod, that would look kind of weird, right? Just doing that or something, right? Can't really do that. But I think if we had anything in common with anybody, we've all been in Herod's seat before. What do you mean you have a king? I'm the king. People, people were, were cool with Jesus' stuff. They just weren't cool with Jesus. You hear me? They, they, they welcomed the healing. They welcomed the rescue. They welcomed his gifts. They, wel they had all these things that he was more than welcome to do. No leper said, nah, I don't think so. No. They, take this, right? Everybody would, would take his stuff. But nobody wanted to get up from their throne. Nobody wanted to give that up. And that's usually what we're the most scared of when it comes to this story. Because we think that baby, that king, is going to have a different idea for my life than I do. He's going to have a different plan than I do. I'm scared to death of what his plan is. I don't know what my, my plan's not big, but I know what it is and I can control it. So we sit over here and we lock ourselves in. We do our little plan, but something happens when you take God's dream and trade it for yours, huh? Something happens. Being a believer, the guys are going to come up, we're going to sing a, a song that I wrote about this moment. 
And um, being a believer isn't believing that all this happened. Being a Christ follower isn't saying, yes, I concur, right? Being a Christ follower isn't saying, uh, I've done a lot of bad stuff. I'm going to try to fix as much as I can because I know God's good and I'm going to try to be good for him. That's not what being a Christ follower is. Being a Christ follower isn't learning all the songs, even the ones that aren't, the, that aren't biblically right, right? It's not, it's not about that. It's not about giving. Being a follower of Christ is about getting up off your throne and saying, my kingdom is yours. My kingdom is yours. You're my king now. You're my decider now. You're my, you're my Lord now. I'm confessing with my mouth Jesus is my Lord and my King forever. I want to pray for us. And I want to ask you a question. God, I thank you so much for Christmas. I thank you for this story. God, I thank you for humbling yourself and taking the form of a servant. Becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. God, I'm thankful that Jesus' name is risen high above all other names. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We know that will happen one day. But Father, they may, there may be a friend in this room or a friend watching at home that's still sitting on their own throne and they're scared to death to get off of it. Father, I pray that you move us. There can only be one king in our heart. Father, may you be the king of our hearts. Let's stand together. going to sing this song and maybe you need to come up to the front our pastors are going to be up here if you need somebody to pray with you maybe you need to come up here and just kneel and pray for someone that you're going to see today someone that's in your family that just needs to know how much God loves them either way we all need to make room for him amen let's sing family from the storm found no place at the keeper's door it was for this a child was born to save a world so cold and hollow a sleeping town they did not know that lying in a manger a Savior King who had no home has come to heal our sorrows. But is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart for God to write
Oh, 